right. let's let's start with childhood. Tell me tell me how where you where you grew up, what was what was in your childhood, and then let's lead into adulthood. I, I grew up in uh, Kimberly, uh, Alabama. Uh, when I was in high school, I went to Mortimer Jordan. When I was in elementary, I went to a independent um, private school. It was a Christian school. And uh, honestly, um, it was a real, very, very strict, legalistic, hardcore school. We went to the church that, that was there also. Um, I'll give you my religious background more than I will anything else, I guess. On, on Whatever me. you want. Um, so the... Uh, I can remember that they uh, how how I, we sat on the front row every single Sunday. We went every time the doors were open, and back then, boy, you it was open a lot, and so we were at church all the time. And I remember, um, man, I could not stand church. I hated it as a kid. I liked all my friends and stuff that were there, but I hated church. All I can remember is the the pastor being blood red in the face screaming at me all the time that's what i was about to ask was it one of those just... oh yeah boy he pit, he's beating the podium and my mom's got turned into plastic woman reaches four people down and i start falling asleep she grabs the back of my arm and starts twisting it pinching it. my arms were uh, black and blue did you ever oh, experience that oh yes oh yeah i think a lot of us our age has probably experienced that kind of stuff yep um i remember all my friends um really wanted me to give my life to christ and, and all the people there they're all worried to death about me like uh I remember the preacher talked to me all the time, and the principal talked to me uh, of the school, uh, children's pastor. I remember my friends chased me, like, Andy, you need to get saved. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> the reason why I never really want to give my life to Christ is because, number one, I didn't want to go to hell. and But number two, I felt like heaven was going to be just as much hell because I, I associated heaven as church. I thought yeah. heaven was going to be for all of eternity being bored to tears and i'm like dear god i'm gonna sit around and wait for a third option it's got to be a third option and so i never would i wouldn't i'd go to church i'd do all the things but i would never say yes to jesus at all were they were they asking you because were you rebelling in any way or was no it just... i was a good kid i think i was anyway my parents might disagree with that but i i felt like i was a good kid i just um i just didn't want to do it i just i mean was matter of fact, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And so, uh, and I, I just hated it. I, I remember the guilt and the shame. I remember that, as crazy as this sounds, every time we did the Lord's Supper, um, you know, unbelievers don't take the Lord's Supper. And so I remember every time I knew it was coming up, we'd do it once a quarter. I would figure out every way possible to stay home. <laughs> I, I ain't kidding because I didn't want to go because I knew that that plate had to pass in front of me and I felt like everybody was watching me. And I remember the fear and the shame and the guilt and all the different things that went over me uh, just over the Lord's Supper. And there, there were so many more things than just that. Um, but that was one thing. I, I just I just hated it. And so my parents got divorced whenever I was 12. And I'll be honest with you, as much as I hated my parents getting divorced, I hated it with a passion. But I was also fired up because my mom, she felt the the harshest because a lot of those people were just mean i mean they yeah. were they were not kind at all anytime you're legalistic it's a works-based thought process a works-based theology of thinking i gotta do all these things to gain god's approval which is another thing maybe we can talk about another time um it makes you mean i mean it really does it, it does because you all all of a sudden start thinking that you're righteous by your works and you're doing all these good things when in reality we're all depraved yeah and so um, so my mom got fed up with it also. And so honestly, we just quit going to church, which is the greatest day of my life. I was like, man, thank God. I ain't having to go back to church. You weren't anymore. getting anything out of it. Hey, no, yeah. Like I got a lot of shame and guilt and fear and <laughs> didn't enjoy it. I love my friends, my friends that were there. We did all kinds of fun stuff, but just, and it was boring and I, there's all kinds of stuff. Anyway. Um, so I didn't go back to church until I was probably 22, 23 so about you had about ten years in there, yeah, yeah, something like it. Ten years without going to church and uh, not doing anything, and I thought I'll, I, I, I didn't. People asked me, kind of like, heck, no, I ain't going. Anyway, I can remember as crazy as it sounds. I'd always 
uh, when I was 24, I can remember me and a bunch of my buddies, we'd go to clubs and, um, I didn't like the taste of alcohol, so I never drank. So I was always a designated driver and we'd always go stop off at the Chevron, get the cheap beer. And, uh, they would sit in the car every, every single weekend, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Thursdays, we'd sit in the parking lot, finishing off the cheap stuff, having the exact same conversation every single week. And we'd say things like, my God, there's got to be more to life than this. I mean, this is old. This is getting, this is boring. There's like, we know the same people. There's got to be more to life every single week. And then Sunday, honestly, I started going to church. I started going to church for the wrong reasons. Uh, Honestly, I I started going to church to look for the single girl because I was single. And, uh, you know, honestly went for the purpose of looking for, for a girlfriend. It might not have been the perfect reason, but it got you in the door. Well, 100%. Here's the deal is um, I say this all the time, uh, which, by the way, I went to a big church because there's more fish in a big pond. Yeah. And so, uh, but the thing about it was, was um, I tell people all the time at, church, at our church, like, I love it when people come to church for the wrong reasons. A lot of people are like, well, bless God, they're just going to church for the wrong reasons. Well, good, because they're going to hear about Jesus. They're going to walk into the presence of God. And their lives are going to be radically changed prayerfully. Mm-hmm. My life was changed for going to church for the wrong reasons. There was one day after sitting there having those conversations about, my God, there's got to be more to life than this. This is miserable. That the pastor, Pastor Steve Gaines, preached a message on what life was about. And he used sports analogies, which I absolutely love sports. And it, I sat there and listened, probably for the first time. I was like, dang. He's answering all my questions that we have on, and so I, there was a there was a there was a place where sitting about five pews back, I made a decision in my heart, like today, today I'm gonna I'm gonna do this Jesus thing. I'm not going back. I'm gonna do this Jesus thing, and and so usually when I put my mind to something, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, and I I don't know exactly what it looked like. I just remember saying inside, I didn't walk an aisle. I didn't say a prayer. I didn't, I didn't even get baptized at the time. I just said, I'm going to start doing this Jesus thing. At the time, I worked for Coca-Cola, which is the worst job in America. I hated it with a passion. <laughs> I, I went in on – I worked on Friday, a Hellraiser. I went in on Friday as a Hellraiser. And then on Monday, after giving my life to Christ on Sunday – I didn't realize I was giving my life to Christ, but I made a decision. On Monday, I was a holy roller. Radically different. And listen, for some people, it's a long process or somewhat process. For me, it was a radical day, and everybody knew it. And that was going to be my next question. Was it one of those that it's one thing to change in your mind and your heart, but did other people notice the change immediately, or did it take a while? A lot of people thought I was faking it. I had a lot of people, like Christian people, which is crazy. Like Christian people weren't even excited for me. They were like, they were like, oh, it's just he'll, he'll go back to where he was, you know. I mean, I remember a strong, a supposable strong believer. He was actually one of the meanest guys at the plant, but he was always talking about like, "This isn't real. He's not going to make it." Like, well, hey, well, here I am, twenty five years later, twenty six years later, still making it. Well, that's nice to be real, yeah. reassuring for you there. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't very nice. I, he was kind of mean. But the big picture is, is that, um, you know, long story short. Started some. I started. I was scared to death, by the way, to go to church and start living it because I knew that I was going to probably lose friends and I was just going to be different. I, I I had to tell people, no, I'm not really going to the clubs anymore, and I'm going to really try this Jesus thing. And I really back when I first started, I said I'm going to start going to church more. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it turned into more along the lines of, hey, I'm really I'm really going to follow Christ. And anyway, I started a prayer meeting at the plant early in the morning, and yeah, that was a little weird. Um, How'd that go? Uh, it was it was cool. We um, I say a prayer meeting. It was uh, I remember as a I was start so I started doing stuff with students. That's a whole other story. And um, at our church, um, and uh, we went to a, see at the pole rally, and all these kids gathered around the pole, and I was like, well, hey, if we're gonna challenge friends to have guts to come stand around the pole to pray, then mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I need to do that. And so I started gathering guys up that I knew would pray 
or that was believers at the plant. So, hey, before we go out, take our trucks out and do our routes and stuff. Why don't we meet around a flagpole every day and pray? Was that was that a hard conversation? Heck, to have that? yeah, that was hard. I mean, like I thought I was I was really suffering for Jesus. That was really hard. How many did you get? Because it you first felt like one? people were like, honestly. There were times there was up to 15, 20 people that started coming. I mean, it was crazy. And then a lot of times it was just two of us, three of us, you know. But we'd pray, and I know people thought we was weirdos, but I don't know. I, I will say this: um, when people started realizing that it was real, it was amazing how many grown. Strong backbone, hard-working men would sit up in my my cab with me and cry, and just telling me all the things they're going through that's difficult. I was able to minister to them and pray for them and love on them, and, and all that stems just from you starting that probably that prayer, prayer. But also, just my life was different. I just had changed, man. I think everybody knew it. That's so. and I know, and one, it's a long time ago, but just in what ways was it different? I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I was the I was one of the best cussers in the world, man. I could cuss with the best of them. You know, I put them in the right place, right time. Uh, but um, I honestly, my mouth cleaned. I didn't cuss anymore, which is crazy. A lot of people still struggle with that. I, uh, but I quit going to the clubs. Um, they started knowing I started going to church more. I mean – Part of what helped me was I met a man that was the executive pastor of that church. He saw that I was coming every single week, and I sit by myself. And I think he saw something in my eyes that I was hungry, like I want to learn more. And I'll be honest with you, he came over one day, about probably two months into me trying to walk with Jesus. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. All I knew was was I was supposed to read my Bible and pray. So every night I'd get down beside my bed, and I'd pray and I'd open up my King James Version Bible, didn't understand half of what they were saying. I was about to say. But I would read it. <laughs> and um didn't make a lot of it didn't make a lot of sense to me, but I did grab some things. That's all I knew to do. But I remember this guy came over. His name was David Jett, put his arm around me, said, Hey, we're about to start a singles ministry, which by the way reveals that he noticed I was single, which apparently he might have thought I looked like a loser out there. <laughs> which, by the way, if you're single, you're not a loser. But I've, that's what I failed at the time. But anyway, he said, we're about to start a singles class. Hey, why don't you come with us? And so we did, and he just started pouring into me. He Honestly, we st he started a prayer service. Um, me and two or three other guys got up there and started praying before the Sunday school class, and we saw God really, really move. And then we moved it to a Saturday night, just started praying for the church and everything. And then all of a sudden, God started really, really moving and we had like a mini, I would say a miniature awakening in the 90s at Gardner First Baptist. We kind of turned Baptocostal. People thought we were going crazy. But um, but it was it was awesome. I mean, it was incredible. And is, so, is that when that church really exploded yes, as far as the yes. congregation size? And it all started with prayer. And that's a whole other message, maybe a whole other story. We can talk about that another time because that's an in-depth thing. But I just think that people just saw something radically different. And that's what God does. I mean, God, God's a, he's a change agent. He comes in, and when he comes into your life, he changes your life. And so Before, he's still changing mine. I mean, I'm, I'm a pastor. I've still got a long way to go. You're a pastor. You're supposed to be perfect. You didn't know that? Yeah, well, that's what they think. <laughs> they just don't understand. Before, before you, I'm going to say at that point, accepted Christ, were you comfortable getting up and talking in front of people? Was that natural? Heck no. No, no, no. That's, that's my big, That was my biggest fear. I, like, I will say this. I can remember when I played sports. My favorite thing about sports was motivational speeches. When the coaches come in and give us a motivational speech. And I, so I went into coaching. And I'll be honest with you, as crazy as it sounds, I didn't know nothing about no X's and O's. <laughs> All I wanted to do is give a speech. Like, I wanted to give a fire people up to go play. And I didn't realize then, even as a lost person, that God had put a gift in me to communicate and stuff. And so um, so I guess it was developed through preaching. I remember I went to, um, to Jeff State. I didn't have – I was undecided when I went to Jeff State College, Jefferson State College. And so I had to sit down and take a thing called a strong Campbell's test, which was to help you at that time figure out what you wanted to do in life. Now, I was lost as last year's Easter egg. I didn't even know Jesus then. And so I'm sitting there talking to this lady, and she goes through it all, and she said, um, well, everything that you filled out, you would be a perfect pastor. Have you ever thought about being a pastor? Goodness. I was like, hey, no. I started laughing, like, nay, no way I'm going to be a pastor. 
So he's God's thrown it in your face this whole time. Oh, yeah. Time. I had no clue. I just thought that was a joke. Like, ain't no way. I don't even like church. Nope. I don't even go to church. Nope. Sorry. You just didn't know what was in store for no, you. Oh, heck no. Anyway, so that's... There's so much more. I mean, I just I know that you ain't got forever to sit here and talk about it. But. All right, let's fast forward. You come you come to Coleman and you start desperation. Yeah. Give me give me as as condensed as you can how how you how you came up with the idea to come to Coleman and where you are today. Oh my! So, and I know I worked at Gardner First now. Baptist. Yeah, we I went to Gardner First Baptist for I worked there for 12 years, and um. I, I, so I worked with students for a long time. Then they moved into college ministry and singles ministry. So we started a service called The Generation on Thursday nights. Long story short, honestly, I still think it was because of prayer why it exploded, but it exploded. People told me it'd never work. Your service will never work. It's, you're not sitting next to a college campus. It's not in a single town, but it'll never work. But God exploded it. And so, um, so, uh, Man, you know, a lot of times people leave churches because there's water under the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it, it really, really wasn't like it. I love Pastor Kevin. I love my job. As a matter of fact, we was at the apex. Man, God was moving. But he started stirring my spirit about planting a church. I didn't even know what that looked like. And so I went on a 21-day fast um, just asking the Lord, God, what do, you, what do you want to do? I know you want me to plant. Where do you want me to plant? And so I just like, God, just please don't put me in Boston because they'll make fun of my accent. <laughs> people in Alabama make fun People in Coleman make fun of my accent. Ain't nobody got no right to do that. Um, and so I just begging, like, God, please. Don't, like, where do you want to put me? So at the end of my fast, there was an explosion in my spirit, Coleman, Alabama. I didn't know nothing about Coleman. I knew they had a lake, and that was it. Um, so you've never been up here much, spent any time? Not much at all. When I was okay. in high school, I came up here a few times to hang out, but – no, I didn't know much about Coleman at all. Um, and so I came up here with my wife, and we drove around. And I mean, the first place we ate was Pasquale's down there. Yeah. <laughs> that was oh, the yeah. first place we ate. There really wasn't hardly anywhere to eat out here now. Like, like now, it's crazy. Um, what year is this? 2023. What are you talking about? Oh, oh, when, when I planted? <laughs> 20, I like, oh, Thank you. <laughs> I might want to cut that out. That's one of my airheaded moments. Uh, it's probably 2009, 2009, 2008. Okay. We planted gotcha. 2010. Gotcha. But, so th- but thank you for making sure I knew what year it was. <laughs> I was sitting there looking at you like, what? What you, what you want to know in the year? Gosh. <laughs> thank you. I need, uh, I need year, that early said, in the morning. What year is this? <laughs> so that's why. What year is the time frame yeah. that we're talking about right 2009, now? 2009, <laughs> baby. Okay. All right. All right. So, so 2009, we drove up here because I really felt like this is where God was telling me, and I didn't, I didn't have a clue. I had people asking me all the time, like, why are you planting in Coleman? Like, we got churches everywhere. Like, we got three on every corner. Like, why would you plant here? And I had people up there asking. Um, I, and all I would tell them is, is like, I, I don't know. I just know God's called us to plant a church here. And... So we started looking, and we did, and we planted. And now that we've been here for two or three years, and this is not against Coleman by no means. This is just I've learned my I learned my our calling when we got here. Probably two or three years later. Um. So God's called us to our calling is to reach people who don't really understand who Jesus is. Um, it's Honestly, it's religion. I mean, it help people get set free from religion, from legalism, from this thought process, well, I can't go to church until I get my life right. That's a really bad thought process. Like, where did you hear that? Like, none of us got our life right. If it wasn't for Jesus, none of us would have hope. Zero. And so I, my thought was, is like, you know, so, so, I got to experience my younger years of how much I hated church. After I got saved, I actually went into this hard, I went into for a few years, this hardcore legalistic mindset in my own life. I was just hungry for Jesus. And I, I, I don't know if I got around the wrong people. I, I don't, or I heard wrong. I think a lot of people just hear wrong. Um, Explain that for anybody that might know what you mean by it. Well, the preacher may be saying something right, 
but they're still here and wrong. There's, there's, some, there's an inclination in our flesh that immediately thinks that I've got to gain approval from God. When the only approval that we get from God is Jesus. Whenever we give our life to Christ, the Bible says that that's why Jesus died on the cross. There's no way through our works that we could have ever given our life to Christ. Zero, none. And so it's amazing how easy it is for so many people to go back to the law, to revert back to the law. Like I got to be doing good moral things to make God happy with me. When in reality, God's already happy with you if you're a believer because you've given your life to Christ. The blood of Christ covers you, and that's what makes you right with God, not by all the things you do or don't do. And so I, I went into this whole deal of if I'm gonna if if I if God's gonna use me, I gotta be praying this long every day. Or I've got to be reading this much in my Bible every day. And I've got to be going to church this much. I gotta be doing all these things for God to really have something to do with me. My motives are jacked up. And I'll be honest with you, it was hard. It was it, that's a really miserable life to live. There's no freedom, there's no joy. It looks right, smells right, tastes right, but it's wrong. It's not a it's but that's what most people do. In in our little towns, most people are very religious and they don't understand the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of who Jesus is. And so I went through, I think God allowed me to go through hardcore legalism. And I remember like even when I was a kid, all the way up until my into my Christian life. And then there was a place where God set me free. Like God started the process. And I'll be honest with you, it was a three-year process of getting set free from, from religion. From When I say religion in and of itself is not wrong, but the religion I'm talking about is legalistic. It's, it's duties. It's checking the box. It's all these different things that a lot of us do more than we realize. And I can still do it even as a pastor today. I have to remind myself, like, we're not going back to the law. We're, we're, we, we live with Christ. So um, so when I, God started setting me free from it, it was like demonic talons being pulled from my brain. It's probably one of the worst times of my life because God was setting me free. And everything that I did, I felt like it, it was wrong. I felt like I was doing something wrong even though I was doing more right. I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't yeah. know if anybody knows what I'm talking no. about because God started setting me free. I started thinking God was upset with me because I wasn't praying an hour a day or I wasn't reading enough of my Bible. Or so it's, it's one of those, I can it to people that are seeking approval from their parents. They will never be able to live up to what they think their parents' expectations are, so they will never be happy. Yeah. They'll always feel like they're falling short, so yeah. that's what – that, that's that's the way I take it. And yes, correct me 100%. if I'm wrong. And I think that's what I think that's why so many Christians walk in guilt and shame because they just still feel like they fall short. You're not walking by the the beauty of the grace of God that He's given you to to walk. It is crazy to me how many people walk in more guilt and shame after being a believer than they did before being a believer. And Jesus died for your guilt and shame, so you don't have to walk anymore. You can walk in freedom. What do you think is the root cause of that? It's it's a bad doctrine. It's bad doctrine. It's a bad belief system. Is it? And I agree with you. I don't like. Which, by the way, conviction. A lot of people associate guilt with conviction. Conviction and guilt are two different things. Conviction is a beautiful thing. Conviction moves you closer to Jesus. Guilt moves you further away from Jesus. So, I, I interrupted you. No, I'm just thinking about what you just said. And that now I struggle with it every day. What you're talking about, you well, think the, I'm not living up. To, I'm not living completely how I should. So then you do get that guilt, which then, and a lot of times for me, pulls me further away. Well, if I can't get there, that's that's what we're here for. So I, it really is. I mean, because we want people to see. We want to help change people's motives that propels them closer to Jesus. We want you, not you. We want people who have that thought process to understand that we want their motives to change to understand that not that God's mad at you but God's madly in love with you change your thought process and the reason why I lay down sin and the reason why I lay down things in my life is because man I'm so in love with this guy with God this guy he's, he's a God with God it's because man he he loves me and because he loves me I want to I want to go after him more, not because he's angry or he's going to put me in a car wreck or he's going to sick cancer on me or something bad's going to happen because he's, you know, he's just angry with me. 
No, he's for you. He's completely for you. If you don't think he's for you, then you're not reading the same Bible I'm reading because he is. What helped me, because there's, there's a lot of times that in, in my everyday life that you hear, hear people talking or you see people, you get to know them, they're scared to death to go to church. Either they're just scared of religion itself, which I agree with you, I don't like religion per yep. se. But as far as them taking that first step to come in the church, it's, they're worried about how they're dressed, mm-hmm. what their actions are outside of the church, uh, what people will think of them inside of the church. And frankly, a lot of times churchgoers have gotten the reputation of being the most judgmental people that there are. <laughs> well, we're really good at that. Um, that's why they don't go to church is because I'm already, I already struggled during the week like in the world, doing my job, doing other things. Why in the world would I want to go to a church when I'm going to be judged? People are going to not be nice or kind. or Which a lot of times, that's a, that's a lie in people's heads. But, I, I mean, to be honest, and I'm, this ain't directed towards any church because I'm sure we got them in our church. Church people are mean. I, yeah. say, all the, I say all the time, like outside of – Outside of um, middle school students, I think church people might be second, <laughs> meanest people on earth. <laughs> uh, they might be. They might be ahead in the middle school. Yeah, maybe. I like. I just. Um, and it's wrong. We shouldn't be. And a lot of it comes because really, a lot of people who call themselves Christians have never really got in touch with their own depravity. When you get in touch with your own depravity, you begin to realize, like, oh my God, I ain't got time to be looking at everybody else's stuff. I've got things in my own life to, that are offensive to God, but thank you, Jesus, for the grace and the blood of Christ, for the grace of Christ, I mean, God, and the, the blood of Jesus that covers me. But to ever think that, to ever think that I'm, I'm better because I do these things and you don't do or I'm dressed better than you, and most people don't. Most people don't even realize they're doing it. Now, some people do because they think that's what they're supposed to do. This is the way we do it. But if we want to reach this world around us, you better start loving people. Everybody, everybody, every human being that God created deserves respect. I don't care how they're dressed. I don't care how they look. I don't care how they smell. I don't care if they're homeless. I don't care if they're a CEO of a company. I could care less. Everybody deserves, if they're in prison, they deserve it because they're, they're God's, God created them with a purpose. He created them for them to give their life to Christ. And so, we do what God's character is. We love them. We meet them where they are. Which, by the way, for anybody out there that thinks, well, he just don't know what he's talking about in the area of church people being mean, I tell you what you do. You go to any restaurant and ask them, what's the worst day to work? Ask any waiter or waitress, what's the worst day to work during the week? 90% of them will tell you Sundays because the church people are mean. They're the worst tippers. They're not kind. They're mean. And I don't know what it is. I don't think people mean to do it on purpose, but I guarantee you that there's a place where internally, subconsciously, we feel like because I went to church today, I'm good, and I can't believe you didn't go. I don't know what it is really, but there's something there that's that's just mean, and it's not kind. And and that's now I'll be honest with you, that frustrates me a lot because you'll see you'll see those that in that church. They are the ones that are, you know, the, the shining light. As soon as you leave the doors of that church, <laughs> it might not be that. And that's not, that's not trying to throw judgment on them. Well, you, we, we're not talking about anybody specific. No. But this is just, in general, something's wrong. And we as church people, as supposable Christians, need to figure out, like, why our churches are dying. And a lot of it might be because we're cold in our love. I don't, we may think we're loving because we give to this uh, this uh, charity or we give here or, or we went and helped with something here. But every single day, the person that matters the most is the one that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you love that person as hardcore as you can. And that's what – and I mean this with all sincerity. Every time I've came to your church, you're out front greeting people. And it's it's and I'm not saying that to because and you know this it's not to blow your head up that yeah. oh man just Andy's important, but that means something that lets people know that you're for 
this excuse the pun you practice what you preach yeah oh, i mean i want to i'm hoping that the exact same person you see on stage is the exact same person you see right here at this table like see me out in public i i don't want to be somebody i'm sure i'm gonna have bad days and there's gonna be times that i'm not gonna recognize people and not wave to them it's, it's so easy as a pastor to offend people and you don't mean to a lot of times there's so many good pastors around here we're so blessed to have so many We've got great churches, pastors. Yes, I mean it's unbelievable. But what you just said in this day and age, it's easy to offend anybody. Oh my! No gosh. matter what you do, everybody watches what you drive, watches what you, where you live, watches how much you tip. Um, they just they keep up with you, and it's you know it's not fair. It's great accountability. <laughs> it keeps you straight. But you know, but that's part of it. That's part of the life. It's part of the world. But you know, as a pastor. If if I'm somebody, if I'm and if I'm sitting here watching me and you right now, and they're thinking, you know, that sounds pretty good. I'm I, I'm in that life that I'm treading water. I can't find true joy. Yeah, I can go out and go to the clubs, and it's fun for while I'm there, it's, and then it's, I it, go home and it's empty. It's empty. Yes. It, just starting the, the basic. Well, I mean, you've got somebody that's sitting there, and I've had a lot of people say this. I don't I don't have the clothes to wear to church. I don't I know. have a, I I don't have a Bible. I hear it all the time. I, I don't know anybody. That's why we say it at our church, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of churches are, are this way. Just put on what you got. We don't care. We got people coming to our church in overalls. I'll be honest with you. There's probably people at our church that you would be people would be incredibly offended if they saw what they wear. But I don't care. I'm, I'm just glad they're there. They get to hear Jesus. They get to walk into the presence of God because we pray our guts out at our church. And we just really believe that God's going to change them. It's not my job to clean people up. My job is to present the truth and let Jesus do it. And I never have understood. Why would you, I mean, just short of just turning people away, why? Because of, they've got on a T-shirt? I, I don't, I, I've, honestly, it's the way people were raised. And they, I don't even think people recognize it and realize it. I don't, I think it's just something that's happened uh, with a lot of churches. You know, the majority of people that we reach at our church are de-church people. They used to go to church, quit going to church. Most of the time they got hurt by church. Sometimes it's because of them. Sometimes it is because of church people. I, you know, I, I, I always know there's two sides to every story. But they were hurt. And so, you know, there's so much pain out there. The reason why, honestly, the reason why a lot of people are in the sin that they're in, the addictions that they're in, most of it came from pain. And uh, it's a... Uh, you just gotta. You just gotta understand where people come from. Well, let me tell you this about myself. I grew up in a country Southern Baptist church, mm -hmm. and it was one of those in the pulpit, red faced. Uh, yeah. You know, everything is. You better do this or else. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, I mean, you know, I was young enough. It didn't. It scared me. Oh yeah, yeah. But it also made me walk a straight line. Oh for, yeah, for I, a while. I, yeah. But then that church, and I was, I was going to bring it up, but I don't even want to put you on the spot, but, I, but I'll say it. Church politics got involved. Yeah. Church splits. Yeah. You know, it, and it's, I can't remember. I was young enough. I couldn't remember if they started another one or not. It put a real bad taste in my mouth, but kept going, kept going. A lot of it I kept going because mom and dad said, you're going to church. Yeah. I get a little bit older, go through the same thing. Mm -hmm. So for someone like me, I, I, it's hard for me to go sit in a church because I just, I've seen, for lack of a better word, I've seen the evil that can come from yeah. those politics. Doesn't mean the people are evil. I That's not what I'm saying. saying, but there is, there is, the devil is working. Oh, there's no doubt. Churches don't break up be, just because there's just great people going at for great things. It's, yeah. there's, there's some bad things going on. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. But, because you're dealing with people's flesh. You take someone like me that has those bad experiences that, now I will say this, I feel welcomed whenever I come to desperation. Right. I don't feel pressured, which is a big thing. I don't like walking in somewhere and feeling very pressured. Oh, I, I don't want people to feel pressured. I'm sure they do. That, like, most people are pressured sitting in their car. It's amazing how many people have came to our church Sat in their car and never got out because got out they're scared to death to get out. It happens. I, I bet it happens every Sunday. If I, I didn't have Holly and the kids, I wouldn't get out. I would not go in by myself for that. I understand. Because I would drive to the parking lot and sit there and go, nope. It's so much courage for a lot of people. And it hurts me. It hurts because, man, the church is supposed to be a place of hope, uh, not hurt. And golly, it, it just, 
it hurts me so much. And and, and I say this, I, I want you to know, but also everybody that's going to watch, everything from you, your church, is genuine. And I, I truly believe that because it's, again, it's just a, it's an inviting atmosphere. Mm. And that's not to say that any of the other churches around are not. Yeah. But it's just one of those you, you really just want to reach out and grab somebody. Now, do I go every Sunday? No. Yeah. I can, I can honestly say well, most people that, don't. that I'm, <laughs> no, I'm there so little that I know you. You're looking for the people that are not there a lot just where you can come over and say, hey, thank you for coming. <laughs> and I'm that guy. Well, so, no, you good, boy. But... I, I just you want to reach out there and grab those people and say, "Come in, yeah, come well, in." We don't everything's even know okay. most of the time, yeah. And that and that's the ones that you wish that you could talk to, but they're also the ones if you press them too hard, they're going to turn and run. I mean, that's yeah. It's just that fine line that I do not envy, and that's I commend you because you do something that I wish that I had the courage the education and the ability to do but well a lot of it honestly is just um with everybody you got it's it's uh, the reason why it's easier for me to stand out front and greet people it's just I, I love people and just it's a gift that god's blessed me with just like you got gifts that i don't have that i would love to have you know um but you know when it comes to just I, we got some I'm sure we got some turkeys in our church. I want to say some other words, but I'm pastor. I can't say that out loud. I'm sure we do. They're Sadly, there. it's everywhere. That's... Yeah, it's all over the place. But for the – just honestly, I think that that uh, a lot of people that come to our church have had the exact same experience that you've had. Like, honestly, your church is your family, man. That's like your second family. It should be. It's supposed to be the family of God. And then when you start seeing it getting ripped to shreds, which I – Listen, there are times a, a church should split, but I'd say most of the time it shouldn't. Uh, and I, I'm just telling you, people have got to see the war, the spiritual war. There's a the enemy wants to destroy the church. What does Jesus say? Jesus said in John 17, his his uh, his last prayer on earth. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed for future believers. He prayed for us. He prayed for future believers. The last thing, he could have prayed for great prayer warriors. He could have prayed for great Bible scholars. He could have prayed for all kind of great evangelists. He prayed for unity. And all the things he could have prayed for for future believers, he prayed for unity. Because he knew that unity is more powerful than anything. And when a church is unified, gates of hell ain't going to stop it. We'll be knocking them down. And so the enemy, if the enemy can get inside a church and strip it, it's gonna. He's gonna take a lot of people's trust in the church away, in God's church. But he's also gonna do everything he can to um, keep people from walking in their purpose. Because people like you, I don't know if I really ever want to go back to church. I'm like, why would I want to go and get hurt again? And so, you know, I guess you can still have purpose, like or find purpose outside of not going to church. But I don't. I think it's almost impossible because your purpose is to be with the family of God and God uses us as a body. God's giving you gifts for the purpose of the church. And it's just the enemy wants to destroy. He uses pain. I'm just telling you. And so when the enemy comes in, I think it's, I think it's a demonic warfare when he comes in and splits most churches. Sometimes it needs to happen. Sometimes it needs to happen because it is really the, the direction it's going is really, really bad. And, uh, Theologically, we're getting away from Jesus and we're getting closer to us. Yeah, maybe there is a place, but most of the time I don't think there is. Most of the time it's over silly stuff. You've been in a church before where you walk in and they might it might be packed, but it's dead. And they just, they have what you, it's not necessarily, they're not up there preaching against God, but they, their ways might have turned, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. Those are the churches that go find somewhere where it's vibrant. Doesn't yep. mean that everything's great. It, do, it it also doesn't mean that it's rainbows and butterflies everywhere. Yep. I mean, it's it's not always going to be just beautiful, but yeah, it, it, you can just sense it. There is a there is a, a tug between spirit and truth. Some churches preach all truth, and that's why they're mean. <laughs> <laughs> they got no spirit that comes in and 
teaches us the character of God. Some people are all about spirit and not as much truth or no truth, and it's just wacky and weird and flaky and it's just is a place where there's got to be a balance. Uh, I, balance is always a bad word too, but it's you got to be. I, we worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. You ever notice those people though that are so regimented? A lot of them, if not most, they pick and choose what they really want to be regimented by. Oh, that's what they follow, yeah, I, and that's. I can definitely see that. Yeah, and and I say all this, and everybody's watching is going, "Boy, he's got a real negative opinion." I do on some. But it's it's a very small minority. That it's I keep saying the church or churchgoers. It's not all of them. It's not no, most no, of them. It's a all. very very minute part of the whole congregation. Yeah. Well, it's a uh, it's um you've you've had an experience. You've had more than one experience that's bad, and so it causes when we have a bad experience at one church. All of a sudden, we start thinking that every church is like this. Like if you have a bad experience of a pastor embezzling money or watching things on television like a preaching show and all they're doing is asking for money, so all of a sudden you start thinking every every preacher wants my money, which that's not true. That's not true at all. So because 90%, it's amazing how 1%, 2% of pastors out there ruin it for the rest of us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we really want to build the kingdom and it takes finances to do that. It's hard. <laughs> I can tell every time you talk about it, it's something that oh. you, you have to, but, it, and, and I appreciate, by the way, it's one of those that you go on, you could talk about everything that you're doing, go into detail, but I, I appreciate your approach. It's, hey, give what you can. And that's, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I, we're not going to, I've been in churches like, God told me that you got $100 in your wallet, you're to give it now in Jesus' name. And I'm like, oh God. What is it? It goes back to that guilt. That's like, just, I, I want to use this money for something else. But, I, but I've <laughs> wanted to spend this time talking about, and again, a lot of people go back to those. There will be people that will either be offended or say, well, Jacob doesn't like church. Jacob's not close to God anymore. Uh, it, it, that's not the truth, but you know, you're going to have those. The the who I'm trying to reach is those that had the same opinion that I had about church itself, and let them know that it's not every church. Because I would go into every church that I went to after that, and you look for the negative. Yeah, it's easy to find negative in anything you do. Yeah, but go in there, look for Christ, and you can come out on the other side in a lot better position than you are right now. That's the key. It's so funny how we get our people on, we get our eyes on fleshly man. Even though we are to, man, walk in the fruit of the spirit, love people, love God, love others. We're not, we're not perfect. We're we're we are a, a screwed up people. Sin has done that, and I, I would just tell people like, do not quit being a part of a church because you've been hurt. You gotta, like you said just a minute, you gotta get your eyes on Jesus. He's the prize. Focus on Him. Focus on Him. Focus on Him, and help us, help us. Whatever church you go to, help us be the church. Like I always think about, like the. Which, by the way, I think we're talking a long time. So hopefully, we can split this thing up. <laughs> yeah, we have talked a little bit. Yeah, so. it's all good. Uh, I, they say that the church is the bride of Christ. That we are to represent Christ. The church is to represent Christ. When I read Jesus, the religious people, the Pharisees and Sadducees, were always ticked off at Jesus because he hung out with gluttons and sinners and tax collectors, and he went to parties and he did this and this and this and this. And but Jesus attracted sinners. He he had people who were messed up, screwed up, come to him because there was something they saw about him that was hope. Like, this guy is interesting. I don't want to have nothing to do with those Pharisees and Sadducees because they're mean. They're, they judge me. They're hammering down on me. But this Jesus guy, I want to come to him. The, the church is supposed to look like Jesus. And I think the question I've always asked, if we're to look like Jesus, why aren't sinners and gluttons and drunkards and coming here, coming to us? Why are they running from us? Why would they sit down and talk to a bartender who has no hope? Which, by the way, if you're a bartender, I'm not trying to kill you and you're listening to this. <laughs> but I'm talking about giving them their problems. Yeah. 
And to, when, when in reality, we have the answer to their problems. Like we, we should want them to run to us that they see that there's something going on that cause we, we, we give them hope and we're going, we're going to give you purpose. And, but they run from us, which makes me wonder like, are we more like the Pharisees and Sadducees? Are we modern day Pharisees and Sadducees? That's offensive to people. But how many how many people we getting saved? How many people come to your church, giving their life to Christ, and being radically changed? In, in my opinion, and there'll be a lot. This this will probably draw some ire from people. But if you don't have people coming in your door every time it's open, looking for help, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about a handout. I'm talking about help in a spiritual sense. Are any of us doing what we should be doing? And I look at myself. There's plenty of things I could go witness to somebody, but it also goes back to that guilt of. Well, who are you to witness to somebody? But that's yeah. well, that goes back to not. This is I'm not killing you either. It goes back to the majority of people not understanding the gospel. It's called good news for a reason, but man, we preach it a lot of times so much as bad news. It's good news. The reason why it's good news is because of what Christ has done for us. He gives us a, a rich and satisfying life, abundant life in Him, and when we when we see it as good news. It just comes natural. You don't have to go force it to, to go talk to people about Jesus. It's just who you are. It comes natural. It's going to be your life. People are going to recognize it and see it, and you just live it. No matter if you're in the secular world, the church, wherever you're at, I love Jesus. He's my life, and I'm just going to live it out. And it's so often, like what you're talking about, like can't share Christ because you feel like you're not right. There's a lot of people that think that way. And we're not, when I say we're not, we're not in and of ourselves, but because of Jesus, we have every right to share Christ with other people. And that's a hard thing to grasp. I know. For myself, I, I won't well, talk no, to anybody else. It's that's, the majority. That's the biggest struggle that most humans have. Christian, I don't care how long people have been Christian. That's, seasoned Christians struggle with that. And it's, it, we shouldn't because we've got to understand the beauty of of the gospel the whole purpose of the law the old testament law was to point to a coming savior was to point to hey the law is to reveal to you your sinfulness and when you see it because you cannot keep up with you can't keep the law there's no way you can keep the law zero no way and because you can't keep the law i'm I'm bringing a savior that's going to rescue you is going to give you hope that he's going to be the new law and he's going to take everything and because of him you can have hope and that's beautiful news, but a lot of times we don't really treat it as good news. Well, that's, and I agree, I and mean, we still look back to the old, but that's that's a great place. I want you to come back. Oh, right, I mean, I mean, these are these. We might offend everybody in the <laughs> state. If, they if they're offended, then then we need to sit down and have a long conversation about the beauty of the gospel. But this is one of those I, I wanted to get this one in the books, but I do I do want to sit down and just discuss. Modern day issues are one thing, yeah. But just like what you described very well, by the way, let's let's get back to where it's all about Christ, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's the main focus, and that we all have our failings, but it's okay, yeah, because that is what He came for. He died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins, past, present, and future. Yeah. So, and that's what we need to hang our hat on. Doesn't mean we can do whatever we want to from here on out. Yeah. But we have that reassurance. Yes. Well, I just make sure that everybody understands that what we're talking about is in general. There's something wrong, something missing, and I really believe that there are phenomenal Christians in our community that really love people, that love Jesus. There's we want I, a lot of these pastors are some of my good friends, like. We, we are so blessed to have incredible pastors in our community and stuff. Um, but there, there are a lot of people to still be reached and oh, a lot absolutely. of people that are hurting and a lot of people that aren't doing church because they've been hurt by church and it could be the church or it really could be the, the person that heard wrong because people hear wrong. But we just, we've got a, we got a lot of work. Well, in, in in true church fashion, we're going to have our own little altar call here. If someone watches this and they say, you know what, I, want, I need to talk to somebody. 
how can they get a hold of somebody at desperation? Oh, they, yeah, they can call us. Um, our number is two five six. Oh, I hope I get this right. Two five six seven three nine five nine seven nine. So I think that's right. Just look it up online. That's the best way to do it. Just yelp it. I don't know. Google well, I said it. call. I should have said how can they get church. <laughs> Yeah, just just get to, just go to Google and we got people there that can help you. We 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 feel like we do anyway. We try our best to. What uh, what time are your services? Uh, so we do eight o'clock, a nine thirty, and eleven fifteen. Eight o'clock, nine thirty, eleven fifteen. That's in Coleman. That's in Coleman. Now we got a, we got campuses in Jasper and Hayden also, and they just do nine thirty and eleven fifteen. But we do three services. So so there's plenty of opportunity. Yeah. What about during the week? Um, we got six thirty. Uh, Wednesday nights we got a prayer service because I mean that's a whole other topic we can talk about one day. Just the importance of prayer and what God's done through prayer in my life and, and ministries I've been a part of or we've been a part of. Um, but six thirty, we do prayer. We got students that start at six o'clock. We're about to start on, on our downtown campus. We're about to start remodeling all of it, um, and it's going to be a student center. And our kids start at six thirty, also. So on on Wednesday nights. So there's not a reason to say you can't get there. There's plenty yeah. of opportunity. Yeah. Look, I know life is crazy. Life is crazy. Um, kids got ball games, uh, <laughs> recitals. You got um, tired from work. But it's just a place to come and rest and be a part of the body of Christ. And it's hard. If you, it, the hardest part is getting there. If you can get there, you'll be glad you did. You don't and that's at any church. That's at any church. I, I really believe that if you get there, you'll just be glad you did. It just, the hardest part is getting up and making yourself go. You don't care if they come in and take a nap, do you, as long as no. they come in the door? I, 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 listen, I believe in the presence of God too much. We've prayed too hard over that place. And there's too many people that love you for you to – uh, at our church anyway, and I'm sure other churches too, that that uh, that I think you'll enjoy yourself. Well, I can tell you that I do when I go. So Well, good. That's encouraging. Uh, if there's anybody out there that has any questions that you want to submit for Andy to talk about, love for you to send them in. If we can get to them, we will. But definitely want to have you back on so we okay. can. We in. I'm in. 100%. Good. We're not going to do it every day, but we will. There will be all kinds of questions. <laughs> you just set me up. <laughs> Good. I'm not going to show them to you. We're going to go I rapid fire. I have to do that. Well, maybe another time I can tell you what I did one time about asking questions. Let people ask questions at the church. That was one of the yeah, dumbest do things that. I've ever don't done. Do no, that. I did. You can't I did. do that in the I did it live. Setting. And like, hey, I don't know what you're going to ask. Just ask it and we'll put it up. Uh, Ooh. Uh, I got myself in trouble. Well, anytime you need me, I, you know what's funny is I could come up there. If you if if it was in the middle of a service, you said, "Hey, come up here and talk about the bank," which I yeah. know would never happen. But I'm just giving that yeah. in front of that It'd many be people. Easy. But if you called on me to pray in front of ten people, <laughs> I will lock <laughs> down. I don't know what it is. I just can't do it. Well, when I say prayer service, by the way, I always need to clarify this. We're not going to ask anybody to stand up and pray because that freaks people out, and it would freak me out. I don't know. <laughs> you remember in old days where you'd be sitting there and they would just call on somebody random in the oh, crowd? Oh, one hundred percent. I would panic. 100, yeah, but most people do. Most people do. And, and that you know, that's one thing we try to do is teach people how to pray. It's just a conversation with God. You don't have to change your voice. You don't have to change your language. Just talk to him. I do, I do love it when you hear those that are the and well, they go straight. And, well, yeah, they go straight into the King James Version, <laughs> which, hey, my grandmother prayed now. It was powerful, but that's what they thought then. But just have conversation. Just talk to him, just like you would your friend. I mean, that's all he wants. Don't, don't be somebody you're not. Anyway, that's... That's a little extra. So thank you. I, well, appreciate I it. I enjoyed it. I did we'll too. see you next Thanks time. Let me come. Yeah, come on. Sounds good.